Welcome to the Cybersecurity Defenders Podcast, Episode 100. My name is Christopher Luft. I'm one of the co-founders of Lima Charlie, and I will be your host. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting with the one and only Matt Bromley about some cutting-edge intel coming out of the Lima Charlie Community Slack channel. Another week, another set of bad actors, malicious files, and compromised systems. On today's show, we're going to be taking a closer look at two prominent hacks that are in the news cycle right now. It's a tale of two breaches that I'm sure of great interest to many of you listening. We're going to be talking about the AnyDesk breach that was disclosed on February 2nd and the breach at Cloudflare that was a knock-on effect from the Okta breach back in October of 2023, which was also publicly disclosed on February 2nd. And before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to those fine folks on the Lima Charlie's Intel Slack channel. Your insight and commentary help us fuel this show and spreading that knowledge across the community makes us all a little bit safer. If you enjoy listening in on these Intel chats and aren't in our community Slack channel yet, then you should join the conversation. Much more information than we can get through on the show is being shared there, and you will get it in real time. You can join the Slack channel at slack.limacharlie.io. And as always, for these chats, I'm joined by the one and only Matt Bromley. How are you doing today, Matt? Hey, Chris. I'm doing well. Doing well. I am, uh, I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to today because uh, we've got some interesting stuff lined up here. It's been a pretty big week i think the past seven ten days or so have been for uh cyber defenders out there so i'm looking forward to talking about this today there's going to be a lot of stuff going on so for those of you out who are listening wherever you're at with this podcast right now get settled uh if you're at the gym maybe this is the time to go hit that 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 treadmill walk so you can listen in if you're in the car we got the perfect antidote for uh traffic or whatever it might be if you're on a plane then uh, have a safe flight first and foremost but uh dive in because we're about to do the same All right, let's do that. Let's dive in. Okay, so uh, remote desktop software provider AnyDesk confirmed late Friday, February 2nd, that it was the victim of a cyber attack which allowed threat actors to gain access to the company's production systems, putting the company in lockdown for almost a week. For those that may not be familiar, AnyDesk is software that is used by millions of IT professionals to quickly and remotely connect to their clients' devices, usually to help with technical issues. And as I'm sure many of you know, it is also a tool that is used by threat actors and ransomware gangs who use the software for gaining and maintaining access to a victim's computer. So what happened? AnyDesk systems were breached and adversaries managed to steal source code and private code signing keys as well as gain access to the firm's production systems. A few hours before AnyDesk's revelation, security researcher Kevin Beaumont pointed to the possibility of AnyDesk having been hacked. Quote, They just had a several-day authentication outage they described as planned maintenance. It wasn't planned and have now re-emerged with a new client. He noted AnyDesk version 8.0.8, released on January 29th, 2024, had been signed with a new code signing certificate. Matt, this Kevin Beaumont is a national treasure. It was just last week on the show that we quoted him making the observation that for the OAuth Microsoft hack to have been possible, the old test account would have had to have admin privileges. The man is full of great insight. Yeah, I, I got to say, uh, Kevin, first off, hats off uh, because you keep popping up in these in these situations here. Now, for anyone who doesn't know who, who Kevin Beaumont is, I believe at least his Twitter handle, I believe, used to be if it's not still anymore, Gossy the Dog or something like that, I think. Um, it is, but, yeah. Uh, it's still the same. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, Kevin is one of those guys who's always been kind of right there at the uh, I'm going to say the thing that a lot of us are thinking, but maybe some of us don't want to say. 
moment. And uh, he's just had these really great insights into kind of what's happening. And I, Kevin, you might have insider knowledge towards something, or you might just be so seasoned that you're able to be like, ah, I know what this is. I know what this really is. I, 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 I could smell this. You know, it's kind of like uh, you, you, you walk into a store and someone's about to pull a fast sale on you and you're like, I know what's happening here, right? Let's, let's, let's just cut right to the truth here. Yeah. Impressive insight regardless. All right. At this point, NEDIS called in CrowdStrike to investigate and remediate the compromise. The statement they released is as follows. Following indications of an incident on some of our systems, we conducted a security audit and found evidence of compromised production systems. We immediately activated a remediation and response plan involving cybersecurity experts CrowdStrike. The remediation plan was concluded successfully. The relevant authorities have been notified and we're working closely with them. This incident is not related to ransomware. We have revoked all security-related certificates and systems have been remediated or replaced where necessary. We will be revoking the previous code signing certificate for our binary shortly and have already started replacing it with a new one. Our systems are designed not to store private keys, security tokens, or passwords that could be exploited to connect to end-user devices. As a precaution, we're revoking all passwords to our web portal, my.anydesk.com, and we recommend that users change their passwords if the same credentials are used elsewhere. To date, we have no evidence that any end-user devices have been affected. We can confirm that the situation is under control and it is safe to use AnyDesk. Please ensure that you are using the latest version with a new code signing certificate. The integrity and trust in our products is of paramount importance to us and we're taking this situation very seriously. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to contact us. What do you think of this statement, Matt? Is there a hidden language in there or is there a straightforward summary of the facts? Yeah, so I think this one is an interesting statement because it is definitely a lot of different things happening in there at one time, meaning there's a lot of things covered in this statement, right? Uh, the remediation plan has concluded. We've notified authorities. Uh, we we are revoking this. We are reissuing that. I mean, it's a whole bunch of you know remediative or containment. I shouldn't say even containment is post-breach at this point, but a whole bunch of remediation effects, I think, to probably reinstill trust in the company, you know? Uh, I think we've talked about this before, but but there's really two good barometers for a company after they've gone through a breach. The first is how honest and upfront they are about the details. The second one is how quickly they work to try and remediate it. And I think they're doing both really well here. Um, I don't I don't think there's anything in between the lines, Chris. However, I I will just make a note and say, you know, you and I obviously aren't on the investigation team for this. However, I will make a note that sometimes these actions can be taken in, uh, you know, a little bit of kind of like a, a precursor, like, hey, we don't know how bad it is. So let's just start everything all over again. Right. Or they are doing remediation actions exactly in line with what the adversaries may have accessed or touched and anything. And there's nothing more than that. Right. But I, I think this really goes the route of trying to reinstill trust. And I would say it, it's probably a little bit of, of CYA everywhere of like, look, if one is compromised, then they're all compromised. So revoke it all, reissue everything, update everything and patch whatever it was they used to get in so that folks trust us and know we're good enough. And, and I got to say, you know, between the this and probably some of the other things that we've covered before, I do like the we're, we're not dancing around the matter. You know, um, hats off to the NEDS folks. We're not dancing around it wondering, well, just, you know, today the investigation has yielded blah, blah, blah. It's just like, hey, 
We're burning it down. We're starting over again. Everything's fresh. Everything's clean. You can trust us. Let's move ahead. And I got to say, it's actually a little bit of a nice thing to, to see because you and I are used to reading these, you know, uh, hand wavy statements. Uh, to be honest, the only thing that, that kind of threw me about this one is at the end where they're like, you know, we are taking this situation very seriously. And I'm like, man, that sounds like boilerplate, but your actions live up to the words. So in this case, I got to take it at face value. Can you speculate why they would specifically call out the breach was not related to ransomware? Yes, this is one where I think they want to be very clear to indicate, and and I'm hypothesizing here, but I, I think they want to be very clear to indicate that this was the type of attack where an adversary came in, maybe they accessed some systems or some data or a thing that um, you know the the company didn't would obviously wouldn't want anybody to access, but that was that was kind of the extent of it, right? That was the the line of it where they're kind of like you know we know. And it's almost like a vote of confidence where we know what the adversary did. Therefore, we know what this is and what this is not. And I think it's another way that goes to lending a little bit of credibility to, and, and again, instilling a little bit of confidence in NADS. They're like, look, we're so confident in what we know what's going on here. We know what this isn't. We know what it is and we know what it isn't. There's no threat actor that's going to pop up a week from now and be like, haha, I'm holding NADS ransom for blah, 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 right? I think it also goes around, Chris, to show what the adversaries, like, without telling us what the adversaries' intentions are, it tells us what the adversaries' intentions are. Uh, you know, <laughs> t tell me the adversaries' intentions without telling me the adversaries' intentions. And by calling out things like, this was not, this was not, this is a, we are doing a, it's a very definitive line in the sand statements about what they've uncovered and what it is. And I think it, it, it also goes, you know, a different step to say, hey, we don't have an adversary holding on to this data, extorting us to get it back. There's a hidden little message in there. The only way you can ransom and extort an organization is if you're holding something valuable that they want to get back. If you steal my, you know, uh, public facing user manuals, and you're like, hey, I got 10,000 PDFs I stole from your environment. And I'm like, yeah, you scraped this off. I'm not going to pay you for those, right? It's a way of saying they don't, they didn't take anything that we're going to pay to get back. Therefore, either they didn't take it because it wasn't their objective, or we're so confident in knowing what they did that this is not a ransom case. It's not going to turn into something where we're being held with our feet against the coals. Yeah, and the story keeps going. So on February 4th, two days after AnyDesk's public statement, it was revealed that multiple threat actors are selling compromised AnyDesk login credentials on both the clear and dark web. One threat actor was selling over 18,000 compromised credentials, but apparently these credentials are not related to this breach and were most likely obtained from info stealers on the client's end. And to be honest, the explanation seemed a little fishy to me, but it was backed up by enough credible folks that I will take it at face value, but the timing is suspect. What do you think of this, Matt? Was somebody sitting on these and decided to try and take advantage of the hype? This is a classic, uh, everyone's attention is focused on this thing. So the most we can do with that thing, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do it, right? We're going to make it happen. It's kind of like when a, uh, a new toy becomes really popular. There's all of a sudden a bunch of knockoffs that came out and you're like, wow, they built those fast. And it's like, no, they were just there. It's just everyone's attention is focused on that thing. I, I read through this one. Um, I think this is another situation where, again, we've got kind of a, a, a meld of two different types of things. Um, I, we've actually covered this type of situation before. I forget the exact company, but basically the company itself got breached and then someone came along and was like, oh, I have credentials to this thing. And you're like, wow, that that timing is convenient. 
you know, and I think it's just like, well, everyone's looking maybe because if I remember correctly, there was a pretty hefty price tag on those credentials, uh, $15,000 for 18,000 accounts. Folks, uh, Chris and I have covered enough of the underground cyber world to tell you that if you're selling for a little over a dollar an account, you're not talking about much value here, right? Um, I would say some of those accounts, if they were true, I got these from AnyDesk's customer database credentials. They're worth more than that. I think this is a combination of exactly what folks are talking about. It's probably there's a lot of attention on NES.com. I can go steal and scrape through, you know, credential harvesting dumps and things like that and bring those NEDESCs together. And all of a sudden, look, uh, everyone's talking about NEDESC and I'm selling NEDESC. Did you get these from the breach? Ooh, we'll never know. But uh, it's just, you know, an interesting way to kind of capitalize, if you will, on the momentum that a current company is getting. Yeah, and apparently some of the timestamps visible on the screenshot shared by the threat actors who are selling these show a successful unauthorized access dated February 3rd, which is after AnyDesk said they resolved the incident, which suggests that many customers have still not changed their access credentials. My spidey sense is tingling on this one, Matt. Do you think this is the last we're going to hear about this one? I don't think this is the last time we'll hear about AnyDesk, but I do not think we will hear, at least in the near future, I hope, about AnyDesk itself being compromised. Uh, look, we've covered the kind of abuse and privilege of, of remote access tool abuse at length here. And I would just say, I, I don't think the idea of a remote access tool being compromised is going to go away anytime soon. And I hate to say it, and maybe it's a little bit of cynicism or I'm jaded, you know, after enough time in this industry. But when I hear about a company having a massive breach and then showing someone showing successful authentications afterwards, I don't want to say I'm not surprised in a negative, you know, shameful way, but more of, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, Chris, I, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that someone listening to you and I talking is probably going to hear about this in depth for the first time themselves. And we're covering it like, oh, there's all these resources, you know, when people find out about stuff is is a different, uh, you know, it's a different story for everyone. Number one. Number two, there might be folks out there who who don't realize or understand, you know, uh, oh, your account's compromised. Yeah, okay. Good luck. You know, like, oh, my IT department will take care of that for me. They'll change my password for me. And there's a little bit of a false sense of security in there. But I don't think it's the last time we'll hear about AnyDesk as a product or as a vector. But I I hope it's the last time we'll hear about AnyDesk as a company. Hey. And before we put this one away, I'm curious if you were able to find any technical details on how the initial breach actually took place. I wasn't able to find anything, and I'm curious if that information will be made public eventually or if that's something they'll keep close to themselves. Yeah, I, I did a little bit of digging to try and find an answer to that one. Uh, the whole, I don't want to call it wishwashy, but the time frame about kind of like this maintenance window going on, which then was turned into a thing that took place. And I know you, you talked about kind of Kevin calling this one out. Um, however, there were some other experts who kind of talked about, you know, uh, Doing wishwashy things like declaring a breach right before a weekend or, you know, doing stuff when when, when a, a particular event was popular or something like that. Anyways, my point being, I didn't see, find anything technical about it, but the fact that the company was a little bit like, oh, is it a maintenance window? Is it this? Is it that? Like it, it, there was, it was a moment of hesitation before we got to what is kind of the, all the remediative steps laid out tells me that it was likely something that they're probably working on, um, that they're probably still trying to patch up. I mean, let, let's be clear, right? They called in CrowdStrike IR to a system with this. If it was just a simple like, 
usernames or passwords need to be changed or, you know, we accidentally, you know, did, did a, a thing, then their remediation probably wouldn't be as extensive. But for someone to gain full access to a production system like that, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say it was probably something unpatched somewhere that an adversary took advantage of. And because they don't want to add a little fuel to the adversarial fire, they're probably withholding until like everything is not only investigated, but everything's also patched, right? I could be wrong on that. Could have been stolen credentials. It could have been a drive-by. Could have been someone accidentally opened a fish and they worked their way in. There's a multitude of possibilities there. My money's going to be on fish or some sort of unpatched vulnerability in some external facing system that that led to the way in. Uh, I, I really would hope that a company like AnyDesk, given their proximity to remote access and IT support and IT security and whatnot, didn't you know facilitate kind of wide open lateral movement and things like that. I'm I'm kind of hoping that wasn't the case. But if the future reveals more information for us, we'll be talking about it. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I hope we get to find out the details. I'm always curious how these things happen. I know it's one of those things where like you want to know, but you don't want to know, right? Like <laughs> yeah, you, you're, right. you're kind of like, I, I, I really want to hear how that happened. But then, and we, we've talked about this from a responsible disclosure perspective as well. I want to know what happened, but I don't want anyone else to be able to take advantage of it and to do it. So I, I can appreciate a company being a little, you know, a little cagey about what happened until they can confirm that it's fully patched. And I guess, Chris, there's, and I'll finish on this one. There's one other possibility which is it was a zero day that no one knew about. And it wasn't until something fishy happened that they noticed it. And I've seen this case before where it's an entry vector that only the company, the IR team and the threat actor knew about. And in order to not spill the beans to everyone, they're waiting until responsible disclosure has occurred. We may never connect those dots or we may one day, but that's another possibility in this case too, is they can't talk about it because they, they can't talk about it, you know? No, that's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that one, but that, that makes a lot of sense. Alrighty, let's talk about the Cloudflare breach. This one is a gift that keeps on giving. Remember the Okta hack back in October of 2023? Well, here we're seeing some of the fallout from that. Cloudflare has revealed that a nation-state actor gained access to the company's self-hosted Atlassian server on November 14th, 2023, using one access token and three service account credentials stolen from that Okta hack. From November 14 to 17, the threat actor performed reconnaissance and accessed Cloudflare's internal wiki, which uses Atlassian Confluence, and their bug database, which is Atlassian Jira. On November 20th and 21st, there was additional access that indicated the threat actor may have come back to test access and ensure they had connectivity. Then the threat actor returned on November 22nd and established persistent access to their Atlassian server using Script Runner for Jira. It is through this that they gained access to the source code management system, Atlassian Bitbucket, and then tried unsuccessfully to access a console server they had access to a data center that Cloudflare had not yet put into production in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And for those that may not be familiar with ScriptRunner, it is a little service that lets you stage scripts that get run when a given action takes place. So for example, a user could write a script to post a notification to Slack that would get run every time a ticket is created. Matt? Why does it always seem to be the things that make life easier that get exploited by threat actors? Can't we have nice things? <laughs> well, uh, no, we're not allowed to <laughs> because some threat actor out there decides they want access to some data or something like that. Uh, you know, this is th this is another one where it's funny. We, we, we're kind of talking about these in logical sequence here, right? I when we When we talked about the Okta breach that took place, 
we kind of hypothesize like, yeah, this might lead to future things. Right. And here we go. You know, so we talk about it. it's, you know, it's early February 2024. We're talking about the any desk breach. This might lead to something in the future. Mark my put the flag in the ground here. And I think this is the exact same boat. You know, this is uh, unfortunately uh, an instance where you, you've got an adversary who who took a look through that massive data dump and was like, oh, look at that. There's something of value, right? There's a little something of interest in there. And they they went and they took advantage of it. They they went and they they tried and they tested. And you gotta understand, you know, I'm 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 gonna read part of the statement here from um from Cloudflare where they said, uh, you know, uh, we were the victim of a compromise of Okta's systems. These credentials were all meant were meant to all be rotated. Unfortunately, we failed to rotate one service token and three service accounts. And then in parentheses, it says out of thousands of credentials that were leaked. Let me be very clear about this because there's a lot of red teams who tout this fact, right? There, there's there's, there's like this old, this adage out there that talks about red team only needs to be successful once, okay? And then someone comes back and is like, well, the blue team only needs to detect you one time, okay? This right here leans so heavily on the red team success rate that it is, it almost wants to bring up another question, you know? Imagine that, Let's just keep the numbers simple for easy math, Chris, right? Let's say there's a thousand. They said thousands. I'll keep it to a thousand. You know what? Let's keep it to a hundred. A hundred credentials meant to be rotated. The adversary found the four, found the four that were not rotated out of that hundred. That's a 4% success rate. Let's times it by 10. We've now got a 0.4 success rate. That's a thousand thousands of credentials. We're somewhere in the neighborhood of a, you know, 0.4 to 0.1 percent success rate of the adversary here and they got in okay think about that entry vector that's a ridiculous amount of advantage for the blue team i think and i'm sorry if this is a controversial statement or or hurts anyone this is why you you trust but verify this is why we pay attention when massive breaches get noticed and it's an identity provider or credential dumps get posted or some other massive thing because with a 0.04 success rate, the adversary was able to get in. And not only get in, you're going to talk about this in a moment, I think, as well. Not only get in, but also maintain access for a while. Access all sorts of things. Folks, you, you, you've, you know, back to that AnyDesk comment, right? You got to rotate those accounts. You got to rotate those credentials. I am not throwing shade at the individual who was in charge of this thing and forgot four or missed four accounts or whatever it was. I'm just saying as a lesson for the future, you can't miss one because a nation state adversary, as they've called out here, has nothing but time and resources. And if the success rate is 0.04% or whatever early napkin math I did earlier, if that's the success rate that they've got, they'll find a way to be successful in there. So I think there's a lot of takeaways and just like that initial part right there, Chris, but I'm, I'm still... A little bit on the, uh, you know, still, still a little bit in the realm of kind of like, my gosh, you know, it's like, this is a product that is used by so many people, a platform that's used by so many people. This thing could have scaled to be a lot bigger, but uh, let's, let's hear a little bit more about what maybe happened here. All right. So, uh, following that on November 24th, after the threat actor was removed from their environment, they called in that, 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 uh, CrowdStrike and started the investigation in earnest. Uh, and, 
Through the investigation, they learned that as many as 120 code repositories were viewed, out of which 76 were thought to have been exfiltrated by the attacker. And a quote from Cloudflare. The 76 source code repositories were almost all related to how backups work, how the global network is configured and managed, how identity works at Cloudflare, remote access, and our use of Terraform and Kubernetes. A small number of the repositories contained encrypted secrets, which were rotated immediately, even though they were strongly encrypted themselves. Matt, do you think these targets were intentional or simply just what they came across first? The content of the repositories definitely seems like something I would want to know about if I was planning a campaign against an organization like this. Yeah, this is the tough part, Chris. I've often wondered this myself. And, and when I when I was an incident responder, this is one of like the little pieces of metrics that I used to track, which is uh, where an adversary lands when they get into an environment. You know, uh, let's say an adversary wants to get domain administrator or wants to compromise like a web server or a production server or source code management or whatever it is, right? How, where do they land and how far away are they from that particular destination? I've worked a lot of incidents in my life where the adversary gets in and they are one hop away, one degree away from where it is they want to be. And I've also worked incidents where they landed exactly on the system that they wanted to be on just by sheer happenstance, right? Uh, An IT admin checked their email on the domain controller and clicked the fish. I mean, it's, it's like a horror story, but at the same time, if you're an adversary, it's an amazing just moonshot that works, you know? But my point being here, um, I don't know if, if we'll know uh, about how much lateral movement they had to make within the environment uh, in order to kind of find these things and whatnot. I, I will say, and and if, if you're going to mention this uh, again, then I'm happy to comment on it again. But the fact that this occurred, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, on Thanksgiving Day uh, is when the detection occurred. I don't think it was any... Uh, you know, I don't think that was a mistake. I don't think it was a mistake that the adversary was intentionally digging around the network leading up to a major U.S. holiday. I don't know where all the Cloudflare security folks around the world were stationed and whatnot. I'm going to assume there's probably an American presence. They chose that day intentionally. What we don't know, of course, is did they choose that day because they were still digging around and they were like, I, I, I need a little bit of time with the lights on here, guys. Can you Can you take a holiday so I can go do that? Or did they know exactly what they were going for? I will agree with your assessment, though. If I was to mount a campaign or try to duplicate or, or spoof or find a way to intercept or something along those lines, I would say like, you know, quoting from them, right, how the global network is configured and managed. I'd love those bullet points, right? I'd love to see that presentation. The biggest two in here, though, are how identity works at Cloudflare and remote access. And it seems to be the undercurrent theme of our episode today that how remote access at Cloudflare works should have been itself a prompt for its own separate work stream. We need to change this. We need to harden it. We need to lock it down because someone just figured out how we sneak in through the side door. We need to close that vector right now. So I would agree with you and say that if that, you know, if the statement was intended to be like, hey, this is all they got, then I'm going to come back and be like, that was enough, you know, but we'll see, right? Yeah. All right. So then on November 27th, Cloudflare redirected their efforts, which include technical staff inside and outside of the security team to work on a single project they dubbed Code Red. Cloudflare pulled off a huge effort to this end in the last few weeks when they rotated over 5,000 production credentials. They also, and I quote, physically segmented test and staging systems, performed forensic triage on 4,893 systems, re-imaged and rebooted all systems on the company's global network, 
And if that's not extreme enough, and to show how seriously they took this after the failed attempt by the threat actor to gain access to the data center in Sao Paulo, all equipment in Cloudflare's Brazil data center was returned to the manufacturer to ensure that the data center was 100% secure. I don't, Matt, I don't know what to make of that. Is that overkill or just like really respectable due diligence? I, I, without knowing Cloudflare's security policies leading up to this event, who knows? Uh, Here's what I'll say. I think someone somewhere and and maybe it's public and and I'm just kind of glazing over it or, or intentionally not seeing it. When you come out and you have a press release that says a nation state actor came in and, and did this and did that, there's a little bit of confidence there, number one. Number two, without knowing all the technical details of the nation state actor, look, they might have been sitting across the table from a very respectable intel person who said, hey, FYI, the other thing that this threat actor does is they also go out and compromise all your Cisco routers and drop you know, hardware implants on them or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, there's a lot of reasons where someone might go down this road. It might have been security policy. Uh, as, as weird as this one's going to sound, Chris, it might have been all that stuff was due for an upgrade anyways. And the checkbook opened up and they were like, well, while we're here, let's let's remediate all the things and let's replace all this data center. You know, uh, I would take a shot in the dark, though, and I would say that uh, there might have also been an element of and I, I don't know if this is the case, but there might have been a concern of physical access here. Uh, given, and I'm, I'm not categorizing, I'm just speaking in previous experience, given that place in the world, they might've had, you know, a potential, well, if the adversary can't get in this way, they might try to come in a physical way, or they might try to do something else. I'm really shooting from the hip on that one, probably because when I read it, it felt a little bit like overkill to me as well. I mean, you and I just talked about a breach from a company who admittedly was like, we need to reissue all of our binaries and code certificates and everything because of this. And if you went to them and were like, are you guys burning down your data center and replacing all the tech? They'd be like, no, why on earth would we do that, right? As far as I know, Caesars didn't replace the entire casino floor as a response to their breach and then back on time through, you know, back on through time for all the breaches, which tells me that it might have, there might have been a concern. I think though, Chris, the the pivot here, the heavy weight in the statement is the fact that it was a nation state. They might likely know who it is. And in that case, they were like, we're not going to take any chances because this nation state is also known to blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Yeah, I feel like we're not getting 100% of the information there. You know, they, they said it was a failed login attempt and we're going to throw out all the hardware. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's a bit of a jump yeah. between you those see, two things, right? You see what I mean? It, it, yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, like uh, imagine you fat fingered your password and you were like, well, I got to throw this laptop away. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Exactly, it's, it's one exactly. of those where you're like, what, what, you know, who, who else upsets you? Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. nonetheless, I, I, again, I, for me, it stems back to, uh, let's say you and I thwarted a bank robbery and, you know, we got a piece of intel that said, hey, FYI, on their way out of the door, the bank robber will plant explosives in a safety deposit box. How would you walk into the vault with confidence after that? You wouldn't. You would be nervous every single time a key turned. The only way to shake that nervousness and regain that confidence back is to just replace the vault. As weird as that sounds, because you're not going to audit every one for the fear that the one that you audit is going to be the one that blows up or, or whatever. And that that's definitely a kinetic example. But I think this is also another example of someone inst- reinstilling confidence in what happened there, you know, and it's like, we want to make sure the slate is completely clean. We're not even going to sit with this dirty 
filthy compromised server anymore, right? That thing's going back to the manufacturer and we're done with it. But nonetheless, uh, I will see how this one kind of turns out in the future. All right. So uh, remediation efforts ended almost one month ago on January 5th, but the company says that it's still has staff working on software hardening as well as credential and vulnerability management. The company says that this breach did not impact Cloudflare customer data or systems and that its surface services, global network systems and configuration were also unaffected. Here's a quote from their blog. We want to emphasize to our customers that no Cloudflare customer data or systems were impacted by this event because of our access controls, firewall rules, and use of hard security keys enforced using our own zero trust tools. The threat actor's ability to move laterally was limited. No services were implicated and no changes were made to our global network systems or configuration. This is the promise of a zero trust architecture. It's like bulkheads in a ship where a compromise in one system is limited from compromising the whole organization. Given the steps that Cloudflare took and the seriousness with which they approached this, I feel like this one is probably buttoned up. What are your thoughts, Matt? Do you think we'll hear more about this one or has Cloudflare secured their environment? I'm sure we'll hear more about Cloudflare Zero Trust uh, for sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you, Chris, that, that last little paragraph there, I'm not going to say it wasn't necessary. However... I, I find it a little bit, you know, here, here's the thing. Imagine, you know, you've got a kid and that kid likes to leave cups right on the edge of a table, you know, and uh, eventually as it all happens with parents and kids, it gets knocked over at some point. And you're like, man, I watched that cup get knocked over, but I got one heck of a mop. So let's get to it. It, it kind of seems like well, why wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like there's other stuff that you could have done to prevent needing to clean up that way. Now, if someone came back and was like, because we utilize zero trust, the adversary was only able to dot, 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 dot. That seems like another way to go about it, which they did kind of indicate towards that. But I find it interesting that at the end of your breach announcement, you're like, yeah, we were able to clean this up so quickly because we utilize our own products. And I'm just waiting for the line at the end where it's like, would you also like to survive an incident this way? And it's kind of like, no, I don't want the incident to happen in the first place, right? Um, what I would like to see, Chris, to maybe give a little more light on this one is, you know, they, they talked kind of at a high level. And I'm reading through this here, right? Because of our access controls, firewall rules, and use of hard security keys in force and our own tools, blah, blah, blah. What I think they're trying to point out here is, look, the adversary got in via Okta. They, they did not compromise our systems, right? Which means there was a, a little bit of, of, a, of a letdown in security there. This was a pre-established account and password combination. This wasn't a zero day or a vulnerability or patch management failure or anything. This was someone who had credentials that unfortunately got missed during a cycle. Then they came back and they were like, because of this security implementation we have in place, we were able to limit the scope or the adversary scope was inherently limited because of what they were able to do. I like the technical side of things there. The only part that rubs me a little bit the wrong way about it is they also sell this service. So it's kind of felt to me like a little bit of a salesy pile on at the end where it's like, you know, hey, we didn't get breached that bad because we do all these preventative measures. You want to buy some? And it's like, really? Come on, man. You know, we didn't need to go that far. But nonetheless, I would agree with your final question, which was, I think we might be buttoned up on this one. Okay, awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of this special episode of the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast. As always, a huge thank you to our Slack community for bubbling the relevant information up to us. And a big thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to the show week in and week out. Our numbers keep growing, which allows us to keep bringing you this content. And for that, we are very thankful. 
We have some exciting content coming up over the next little while and would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, good or bad, please shoot us an email at defenders at leemacharlie.io. Matt, had a lot of fun diving into these two breaches today. Thanks for making the suggestion and for showing up to share your valuable expertise. It's It really wouldn't be the same show without you. As always, Chris, it's a fun time. Glad to be here with you, and I can't wait for the next one. Awesome. Take care, sir. And that concludes this episode of the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast. If you have any feedback or ideas for future topics, please send an email to defenders at limacharlie.io. You can access the intel we talk about on the show in real time and join the conversation on the Lima Charlie community Slack channel at slack.limacharlie.io. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with someone or leaving a rating or review. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you on the next episode.